Hey everybody, it's Ralph from youtube.com slash Ralph Movie Maker. Just here to let you know that my audio messed up for the first half hour of this podcast. So I apologize for that in advance. Yeah, I'm a disappointment, I know. But after a half hour, my audio goes back to normal. So that's that. Anyway, enjoy. This will get stuck my nose. And Chris? Get stuckmanized. Yay! Yay, said it! Yeah. All right, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Uh, Actually, wait, here's the intro. So, guys, we did it. We reached a quarter of a million subscribers, 250,000 subscribers, and still growing. The fact that we reached this number in such a short amount of time is just phenomenal. I'm just amazed. Thank you all so much. That's a really shitty copy pasta. I have no idea is the problem. (laughs) But like I'm I'm on these so if I, I want to say pyrocynical yeah right so I I it's got to be I him. don't know if he's the one that actually said it or not or if he's just memeing someone yeah, else that said it um but I for people that I I watch and or am friends with I don't watch a lot of other content these days because I'm so busy with shit like my album but I I subscribe to their subreddits and that's just some the pyrocynical subreddit is just so weird. It's just such a strange place. <laughs> um, and so I saw that meme a lot, and I couldn't think of anything else in a short amount of time, so I just did that. Hey, everybody, we're Sardonicast. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. I'm Ralph from YouTube.com slash And I'm Alex from I Hit Everything. And we got a special guest. Hey, it's the second time I've done this. Hey! Woo! So you're in the... I feel good about that. You're in the world record book now for... Uh, I feel good about that. For the first time that a guest has appeared for a second time on Sardonicast. Guinness? The first second write time. It down. Well, it is the first time that someone's appeared for a second time. Yeah, yeah that's true. I don't know what that promise. says about me, but I'm willing to embrace whatever it is. It says we yeah, love you. Oh, ah. that's well, I, I, I love you, too. Ah. Thanks. How was your, uh, yeah. <laughs> how was your week? It was good, man. I have been so insanely fucking busy um, editing like these Halloween special oh, videos shit. I've been doing. I've been doing like these 15 to 30 minute multi-angle discussion videos about different horror films. And I've been doing that for the past week and I've put one out almost every day. Plus, I've somehow balanced college and I, oh, I, yeah. I honestly don't know how. I, I really don't know how. I've been... I've been burning the candle at both ends. Fuck it, I threw the candle in the fireplace. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening right now. Well, I mean, if it's working towards a goal and it's not going to be forever, it is. You can see the light is. at the end I of the tunnel. I feel good about it. Yeah, it'll be worth it. I feel good about it. I I feel like um I was sitting down with my buddy uh, John Flickinger the other day. We have a podcast on our Patreon, and he kind of psychoanalyzed me. He was like, "Dude, I think you're a workaholic, and I think you have a problem, and I think you." You need to you need to do nothing for like the entire month of November, mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, I think you're fucking right, man. Vacation. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm over here dying with all the with the schedule I've given myself. I don't know. That sounds kind of boring taking a month off. It does. Okay. You know, that's that's yeah. that's like my problem. Like eventually, after like after like a week, you get sick. That's my problem. Right, yeah. Yeah. After a couple days, man. I don't know if I can ever a take a whole days, month. Days, I get sick of it. I feel like at that point yeah, I'm, I'm just too connected. At that point, I would be like, like quitting or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what do you do with yourself for a month? You just have like no work. Or 
I don't know. I don't know. And that's the problem with YouTube. You you might find me in a in a dumpster like in a cardboard box. I don't know. Um, you you should just religiously study the primitive technology YouTube channel and then live in the woods for a month and make really cool shit, and you'll come out a hardened individual. Yeah, I'll I'll be one of those. I'll I'll make a reality show in the woods where I'm naked. And then and, forget uh, to bring a camera. Like me eating berries. Yeah, I forget. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's a problem with YouTube though. Is if you take a break, it's like people forget about you. Unless you have content lined up. I mean, you can theoretically take a break, and then still have content come out. That's to the schedule fear, it, though, right? isn't it? Yeah, I think it depends on how you started. Like if you, like for me, for the past decade, basically, I've been doing at least one video a week, and. And so that sort of sets a standard. And if I were to break that, it'd be like, hey, what the fuck? Where'd you go? Are you okay? Yeah. So like I have to always basically keep doing that. And it's not like I'm complaining. I enjoy what I do. But the past few weeks have been busy as fuck. So what you do is you just imagine what a movie coming out next month is going to be like and make your review (laughs) based on what you think it'll be. And then if you're right, then you'll look really cool. Yes. Here's my pre-planned review of Show Dogs. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I already know what the movie's gonna be like. <laughs> oh, do you? So, for those of you who don't know, I um, I I edit these podcasts, and while I do that, I I'm uh, doing it on on my Twitch stream. And um, for not not the last episode, but the one before, I forgot to mention in the last episode, there was a really funny comment that someone sent to me while I was editing. It was from a a user named uh, Seamus. And uh, their comment reads, I had a fever dream a few weeks ago where I was listening to Sardonicast and Ralph killed himself during the podcast. I woke up and thought it was real for about 30 minutes. And what makes this extra <laughs> funny is for for that to be possible for someone to think that's real. That would mean that you killed yourself in the podcast and I edited it and we published it. <laughs> like that, that's what makes it really funny. I, I had to think about that for we a gotta, second. We gotta do that one. Day. Yeah, I was like, "This is tasteful." Like, I kept it in. I have to die. <laughs> Let's make a yeah. pact. Let's make a pact. If yeah. any of us die on the show, we have to leave it in. We'll last episode, but that's how it ends. We, we can change the bet <laughs> from fifty dollars to suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Uploaded in memoriam. Hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I also, there was another thing I forgot to mention that someone reminded me of. Um, we got the question uh, the other episode, and I guess I'll I'll let Chris answer this question as well. It was, um, I, I, guess, I think the question was something along the lines of what was your, what is the best narrative experience in gaming? Something along those lines. And I forgot to mention ones yeah. that are definitely in my top spots. Soma. Mm is probably the best yeah, so was a good like one. that's that was an insanely well done story i don't know if you played it mm-hmm. yeah i did play it man i haven't yeah i downloaded it off the, the 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 playstation store i thought it was pretty awesome yeah definitely play that one alex and it's a you know you, it, it could be a good halloween excuse too because it's kind of a horror game very that well done it. story and then undertale is an interesting narrative experience although i would say so meaning to play undertale yeah. oh crap play it man yeah, still haven't got around to it. I might play it on Switch. What about you, Chris? Because we all answered this question the other week. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming you guys probably talked about The Last of Us. Um, yep. <laughs> that game pretty much floored me. 
it didn't even feel like a game. It felt like I was experiencing something real. Um, the first Metal Gear Solid, the first time I played the the first one, uh, I beat it in like a week, and then I loved it so much. I sat down and I beat it again in a day, like right after wow. that. I did nothing but play it. It was a summer and I was out of school. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the first Metal Gear Solid, uh, the third one, the fourth one, those in particular. I listened to your guys' episode for Spider-Man, the newest one, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, some of you skipped the cutscenes. Wow, one wow. of us. <laughs> yeah. And... Spider-Man. I, I skipped on yeah, three man. or four hours of the game. This story sucks. Like, I'm playing um, Red Dead now, and the cutscenes are great. So I, don't I, I, I actually, I bought that. I'm going to play, that's that's my plan for the first week of November. Okay. Once I finish all this, these uh, Halloween things, I'm just going to play Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, that's all I've been uh, doing since Friday. Any more than a week, man. Okay. That is one big-ass game. Have you have you touched it yet, Alex? Yeah, I've played hours and hours, and I looked at my progress today, and it was like thirty percent, and I've been playing it for days. <laughs> mm. It's like, oh my god, yeah, I mean, it's good. good. Jesus Christ, I, this is long. I think I've played good. it for it. like maybe fourteen hours or something, and I think I'm like eighteen percent through. But I dick around a lot. I dick around so <laughs> much. I I oh, literally yeah, I literally waited for what 40 minutes for a train to come by just so i could get someone <laughs> hogtied and run them over and take a picture <laughs> i just keep explode. like starting bar fights yeah <laughs> you ever do that oh man like what i'm that i'm a little disappointed with with the game is that um and don't worry i won't spoil anything chris but in the first game it used to be that if you ran really fast and knocked people over it wouldn't count towards your, like, it wouldn't count as a crime. It would just be like, oops, sorry. And yeah. so you could manipulate <laughs> characters and push them in the direction you wanted them to go. And there was this bar where uh, they had a glass window uh, <laughs> on, the, on the top push. of the, the bar. So I would push all the patrons up the stairs and, and push them out the window, and they'd die. And since it didn't count as me actually assaulting them, Nobody would come after me, and so I had this huge pile of bodies <laughs> outside the bar, right next to the door. And then after I, I push all all the people out, like there's a bunch more like coming in or whatever, I go back downstairs and I notice this cool feature in the game that when people walk over dead bodies and there's like a pile of blood, they actually leave bloody footprints. So as soon as I go back down yeah. to the main floor of the bar, the place looks like the fucking shining. There's like bloody footprints everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, it was insane. But now <laughs> when I run into people, people get mad and they call the sheriff. So yeah, there goes it's that. It's a lot more strict, which I like. Yeah. And they remember, too. Like, if you fucking die and come back to that town, they're like, oh, that piece of shit. You started that bar fight. I rage quit for like three hours because my horse died. I was very sad. Oh, yeah, mine died all the Did time. you not have a revive? Yeah, well, I died before I could revive it because I got shot up. Oh, uh, uh, I was yeah, really some upset. Of the horses just suck too. Yeah, let's not talk about this too much since Chris hasn't played it. I'm excited oh, yeah. to play it though. I really am. I'm looking forward to you it. You played the first one, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, back in the day. I honestly, I forgot a lot about it, but um, this is just one I'm really looking forward to. Um, Heavy Rain, I loved too. Heavy Rain was a great narrative. I thought. Yeah, uh, Heavy Rain's good. For me. Beyond age. Beyond Two Souls, <laughs> um, I think is a little underrated. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. I really, oh, I, I really like don't like. I like some of it. Yeah, I make I fun of Beyond. Detroit Become Human yet? Oh, I know you do. I know you do. I've seen your <laughs> your Twitter 
I know you like to play Life is Strange a lot, too. Oh, yeah. That's not what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Life is Strange is more more fun than Beyond, to make fun of, at least. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's much more uh, comical. I, ha- I actually enjoy mm-hmm. the Life is Strange series just because I have a really uh, hilariosity style time uh-huh. playing it <laughs> you, you must you must enjoy it since you play it so much yeah it's my favorite game <laughs> i just love <laughs> chloe she's such a good person <laughs> yeah the how about the telltale stuff Ugh. you guys play that I have some, <laughs> some of it out of business, think, good so. some of it yeah they're out of business already. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They canceled. Yeah. Uh, what game were they working on? They were working the on Walking Dead. Watch, they somebody else picked the up Walking the Walking Dead. Dead I think. Even finished. I think somebody else decided to pick it up. Yeah. 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 They released yeah. two episodes or something, and then they're like, "We're going out of business." Guys. Yeah. They canceled their employees. Is what happened. Yeah. Like, oh man, that sucks though. I feel bad. Just they need some good stuff. I like that first Walking Dead game. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I played right. one of their games. I can't remember what it was now. Wolf like, Among Us? I like that one. That was yeah, their best one, in my was, opinion. Yeah. They're not really... I mean, they say they're choice games, but nothing you do really matters all that much. I know. It's just, no. It's stories. They're good stories. Yeah. Some of the acting's good. Sometimes I like playing games that don't have like a narrative that are just like simple gaming experiences, like most retro games. Um, I love new games. I love old games, mm-hmm. but... Sometimes I just need like a Zelda or a Mario to kind of just relax and enjoy myself. Chris, have you played uh, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey? Uh, no. I'm trying to get more people to play uh, that game. I've already recommended it right? to Alex and uh, Ralph. Yeah, it's PS1. You can get it on Steam. It's, yeah. You can get it on PC. Yeah. The first two Oddworld games are like so, so great. I have a an okay PS1 collection. Yeah. That's not one of the ones. Don't don't get the uh, don't get the HD remake. Don't get the new and tasty. It's a very different. Why not? It's uh, there's a video by, let's see if I'm remembering uh, who made this video. Uh, I think it might have been Cadicarus. Let me just check. Oddworld, new and tasty. I don't. Uh, who made this video? Let's see. Somebody <laughs> talk about something else. He's a good dude. Somebody made it and it was good. And it explained everything you want to say, but we're not going to know what you Matthew want to say. Matthew Matosis right made it. Matthew Matosis. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the video that I send people when I talk about uh, why I don't like the uh, <laughs> new one. Because, like, I, I didn't even. It's It's one of those things where, like,. I was playing the HD. It's not really like a, a an HD uh, remaster. Like they completely remade the game, but they changed so much about oh, it no, that, that like was that. like very yeah. essential to the experience. And when I played mm-hmm. through it, I just you know kind of got bored after two hours. Didn't really think about it. And then I watched this video. I'm like, yeah. this explains exactly why I was uninvested in a perfect way. Very few HD remakes that change things work. There's a this isn't an HD remake, but Metal Gear Solid was kind of revamped into Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes for GameCube, and they added all these cutscenes and like new animations. And um, it helps if you don't want to look at blocky PS1 textures, but it did kind of change things and kind of ruin certain elements of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if it's if, I'll play the original. Yeah, there's I mean not every. HD remake is terrible, but there's so many where it's just so sad. 
like the Silent Hill. Yeah, HD I prefer collection. them to just I prefer them to just change nothing, but just make it HD. Yeah, but like that's fine. Just make yeah. it HD, but change nothing. The uh, Halo anniversary was actually a really good HD remake because you could switch back and forth between old and new graphics at the same time. They had it running on like several engines at once, and so the playability wasn't affected at all. So even if they added new textures, they were essentially just, you know, like visual textures. Like you couldn't bump into like new walls if they made a mountain more jagged or something or like an edge different. It would still right. play the exact same way as the first game. And I loved that. The Halo 2 one's good too, as well. Mm-hmm. And the MCC. Yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to make a Halo 3 anniversary. It's already been 10 years, hasn't it? I guess so. Yeah, it's been over They missed their now. fucking chance. Bro. What are they going to do with that series? What are they going to fucking do? It's fucked, man. No one's excited. I feel like it's too late. Yeah. That, that, that uh, PC mod came out, and everybody just started playing that, and the numbers for Halo 5 just dwindled, so everybody was just like, yeah, I yeah. want to play Halo on PC instead. It's just got an identity crisis, you know? If your franchise just moves away from what it represents then no one's going to stick around yeah. for the new thing. Thanks, Microsoft. <laughs> they really screwed up. 343 Industries. I feel Industries. like trilogies are the best way to do it. Just lock everything down to a trilogy and then say, nope, moving on to a new thing now. Yeah. Like, we'll develop a new series now. I mean... Like, it, prequels are, like, they're never that great, are they? Like, for the most part, talking movies, games, anything like that. And this, the same applies for, like, games, because it's so much like, well, Gears of War 4, well... It's just like sort of a continuation, yeah. I guess. More like Gears of Board. Yeah, it's, it's more like, <laughs> yeah, it's just so the, the line between the creativity and the business side is so like heavily in favor of the business name recognition. Yeah, thing. I haven't played Gears of War 4, but all I'm thinking is, you know, to be fair, every single one of them is an incredibly repetitive experience. <laughs> there's you know? a few That's there's right. a few things that break the mold um of, of that like trilogy thing resident evil 4 is insanely good um, oh yeah i thought metal gear solid 4 was good too i think the best way to do it if you're gonna go that far just change it up entirely like metroid prime for instance like yeah you know they completely dramatically changed everything and so it doesn't even feel like the sequel to super metroid it just feels like a whole new thing well, Metroid also had the advantage of not being incredibly narrative-heavy in the same way right. something like right. Halo is, with all the cutscenes mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. We need the next one to be Halo Pinball. That'll revive the <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Abandon the first-person shooter format. We need a change. Yeah, let's do it. I'd play it. I would I would just play it just because that would be awesome that it actually exists. <laughs> it would probably be a mobile <laughs> game if they did that. So. Yeah. 100 percent i haven't played any of the shit so i don't know <laughs> you guys play call of duty uh, no i don't honestly no. i uh, i don't i no. i played some I of tried. them and they're not fun <laughs> <laughs> well, i tried which ones did you play i like the Treyarch ones the only one. um i'm trying to I remember the, the exact Ops. uh yeah. the exact like title there was one that came out well, what do you play it for too the story or like what people actually play for the multiplayer zombies. Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was exactly like it. watching my so roommate play through the campaign of... I think it was the first one that was released on the PS4. I can't remember which one that was. 
Uh, is that the Kevin Spacey one? one? Yeah, the Ke- yeah, yeah Kevin that one. And <laughs> I was watching him play through it. That is an age twelve. And uh, I'm playing that now. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching him play through it, and just like very rarely do I just sit down and watch someone play a game, but this one was just I was fascinated. I was incredibly fascinated. Usually, I have to like fuck around to see the game break itself, but he was just doing it, just playing it normally. Like, he would crouch down, <laughs> like, he would, he would lie down in prone position, and all of a sudden, like, the, the rain, the, the, the rain graphics would be, like, above him, like, they would stop, <laughs> like, you could see the very bottom of where the rain was, and then, you know, there was, like, wow. a, a, an area where it's like, oh, he's in a casino now, and I was like, hey, wait, look at those cards on the floor, they're all the same card, I'm like, really... This is like this, the the whole point of releasing something on the PS4 when it's a when it's a new thing. You're supposed to be proving that there's some sort of like mm-hmm. graphical capability here, and that there's effort being put into the game. Like holy crap, you can like, put like, fit so much more into this game. You know, like you're supposed to prove yourself. What was that? It was really yeah, funny. I agree with you. They don't really care about the campaign either. I know. Like, they used to. Like the the modern warfare yeah. campaign is fucking great. World of War. Like, there's a point where you just you can't really tell a story anymore, so they just focus on multiplayer, and but in this case, zombies. And what, what sucks about what it like is, more. despite focusing on multiplayer, they still managed to screw that up also. They, like, abandon the story in the campaign, but now it's just like, yay, microtransactions, oh, what's this? You, <laughs> wanted, you wanted local co-op or local... Local multiplayer on your Halo game, something that's been a feature for literally every other game that Halo has released. (laughs) Oops, we're not going to include that. Sorry. They don't have that? Not in Halo 5. Yeah, well, because they stopped it. Their excuse was, oh, because we want it to run in 60 frames per second. But in reality, it was probably Microsoft said, hey, we need to sell more Xboxes because... PlayStation stole the market from us because our console was so shitty. So let's make it so that if friends want to play with each other, they each need their own X-Bone. That was their plan. (laughs) And now I think they regret it because the game didn't... I mean, nobody fucking plays it now, so... Like, nobody's happy with it. It was literally the first Halo campaign that I just didn't even finish. I think I stopped on, like, level two. I was like, I'm not even having fun. It's Why am I doing me. this? It's the worst one by far. Like, Jesus Christ. Holy shit, is it bad? So bad. I've never been able to get into the whole, like, online multiplayer first-person shooter games. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Especially if they're super realistic. Mm-hmm. I love playing the game, but I don't like the online multiplayer. Like, that's the... I, I always get so pissed off. Like, I, I'll run out. I'll be like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to play... Oh, I died. Like, and it's <laughs> yeah, just... It's, 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 it's that it's over, and over, and over and over and over and over. Right, because you're playing against real people. Real people are a pain in the ass, especially yeah. these Call of Duty people, because they yeah. like fucking play these games every year nonstop. <laughs> yeah, so they're really good, and you're like, fuck. Have you seen that South Park episode where it's just the World of Warcraft players? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And their mom like has to bring uh, like a bowl, and he shits all mm-hmm. over her. <laughs> and he's like, That's thanks, it. mom. Go away, mom. Like taquitos, whatever he's eating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to me, Halo has <laughs> mostly been about the campaign for me. Like, I love yeah, the same. actual story and playthrough, like, the level design, everything about it, the playability. The The first Halo game is just my favorite thing in the world. And on top of that, I love the multiplayer, too. 
but I usually don't go for, you know, join a random lobby and play with random people. I usually don't have much fun that way. I I usually try to do something like, hey, I'm going to play with friends that I know. Or if I'm, you know, sometimes I'll do a stream. I'll be like, okay, add my gamer tag and just play with people from my stream, which is usually fun. Because, you know, you get a variety of different skill levels and people. And, you know, I, I just feel like it's yeah. more fun. And you get to choose what map you're doing. Whatever happened to that? Why do online games not do that anymore? Where it's like you. It takes too long. Well, it's first so of all, stupid. They like they give you like three options. I know, no, no. I hate the voting model. system. I hate it so much. Why do you hate the voting system? Everyone votes which map they want. Yes, yeah, well, okay. Remember, <laughs> the same I, maps always you get might be for. too young for this, <laughs> but yeah, there was well. a point in time in like original StarCraft <laughs> and also. Halo on PC, Starcraft. where you could you you could there would be a bunch of different games that were available. You'd be like, oh, it's this game type, like a huge list. This game type is playing right now, or in a lobby or whatever, and it's on this map. And here's the people, here's the settings, and then you just pick it and you're in. Instead of, hey, I want to do this vague game type where I'm maybe doing battle rifles and I'm maybe doing something else, and then we all vote on a map. And it's three different maps, and none of them are the ones that I wanted. But I guess <laughs> you vote for one, and then other people vote for something else, and you don't even get the one out of the three that you like. It's so stupid. I, I get that it's easier for the developers in that way. I think it's easier for everybody. It's, it's not easy. There's so less everyone, options, especially the Call of Duty experience. The Call of Duty experience is as streamlined as possible. I want so my options. The controller. <laughs> well, options take more time. Call of Duty does not want to take up as as much of your time. It worked so well. Oh, it just doesn't want to take up your time. I've seen it. I don't think it does. What do you mean? I, what I'm game totally, have you I played? I think most people can go along with just uh, Call of Duty or, I don't know, any multiplayer game. Like, even Team Fortress and stuff like that. You do, like, quick match. You just get put on some random map. You're like, oh, wait, I'm playing the game. I don't no, but care what map Have you ever play. played a game where it allows you to, to choose what you want, is what I'm asking? Cause I've, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. It's about the same. I'm like, I'm glad I got the pick, but whatever. Oh. Why do you want less <laughs> options? Like, like it's a, I'm not. I'm not like, God damn it! I can't pick the map I want. I'm, like, oh, I'm dude, a picky boy. Matter. Everyone picks Nuketown anyway all the time. That's okay. I want things I mean, that I like. Show the different. Do you like um open world games, guys? That's like my favorite genre, hands down. It depends how open. Like um, there, I do like the idea of like. A, a path that I'm supposed to follow. I like being slightly controlled. It's okay. a little, it's a little overwhelming when I, when a game is like, Hey, just do whatever you want. Then I'm like, God, but, but what, what do I, what's my goal? Like I need to have like yeah. at least a bit of a goal mm -hmm. to, to kind of feel like I'm invested in a storyline. Like for instance, the, the latest Spider-Man, like, yeah, I can go around the whole city and, fight crime as long as I want, but I also I, I like, I guess I like the the comfort of the actual waypoint, like the main objective. I like knowing yeah, it's yeah. there whenever I well, need it. Well, it gives you something to do. Yeah. Right. Totally yeah. Critical. Even if it's just those mini-games, the, you know, you gotta pick up a suit or you gotta pick up, what, backpacks sliding around and yeah. shit like that, too. Uh, I 100%ed that. Right? I, I, I got all of it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. See the fucking team over here. <laughs> yeah. squad. Yeah. I uh, I get bored real quick in uh, a lot of Bethesda games for that same reason, you know. Really? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I love Bethesda games. Like Skyrim and Fallout. Whatever. 
I just feel unmotivated. I don't think Ralph and Adam are on the same game wavelength. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I love it. I love well. it. In, in Skyrim, you could become a fucking vampire. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's awesome. You're like, I could just, I could become a werewolf. And you can. Anything you want. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of games I like. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys played Kingdom Come? Sorry, keep talking about anything. But... Oh, whatever. I, I have not played that, no. I no. It's, it, no. A, it's like a super realistic medieval times set in England or whatever. Oh. It's super realistic. You get a sword and you can't do anything with it. It takes like 10 hours to level it up. Do you ever get tired it of that, though? It take lessons. No, because it's rewarding. You're like, okay, I have to learn this system. I yeah. have to train with a guy on how to use a sword and a bow. I'd rather just go to like an archery class. But like a real archery class? Yeah. If I'm going to uh, dedicate that much time to learning century, how to... Dude. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm going to... Computers now. If I'm going to dedicate that much time to learning how to play with a fake sword, I'd rather just, <laughs> I'd rather just go learn how to do it for real. That's fair. Um, we got one more piece of news before we uh, talk about the uh, film. Apparently, Guillermo del Toro is making a Pinocchio movie. For Netflix, I think. Did you know yeah. that? <laughs> okay. That's interesting. It's in a stop motion, right? Cool. I don't know. <laughs> it just That's got announced. Just, the like, way you said it was so I funny the headlines to me. It was like, who gives a shit? Well, <laughs> I was just yeah, seeing if anybody... I mean, like, I'm, I'll watch things no, that he no, makes. No, it was just the way you sell. It was just the way you set it up. It was funny. I'm a very... Uh, it was like Pinocchio, Pinocchio movie for Netflix. Ah, that's the best impression <laughs> of me I've heard so far. <laughs> I can I can do an impersonation of yeah, you. Yeah, please. Keep going. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> I just saw Mission Impossible Fallout and it was <clears throat> But I did I didn't say that. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people interpret well, uh, maybe I did say that. <laughs> I said something along those lines. I don't lines. remember actually what you saw. I don't remember what you said actually. I do watch all your videos mm-hmm. though and I love the way you do it. Oh thank them. you. I appreciate you. You yeah. say eh a lot. Eh. I'm glad you captured that. Yeah. You should write that on your tombstone, Alex or Adam. I, Adam, this is going to tell you how much I actually do enjoy your channel. I like when you're sick, and you're like at the beginning of a video, you're like, "Hey guys, so I'm really sick right now." <laughs> <laughs> well, so it just comes out, you know. You make like a you make like a really dramatic cough sound. It's funny. It's real. <laughs> it is real. All right, we're back. Hi, everybody. I have to apologize. <laughs> uh, I recorded my audio through my headset by accident, and not my microphone. <laughs> okay. So the last 30 minutes, I sounded like I was in a toilet. Uh, that's why. Okay. Oh, it's not because you live in a toilet. Right. Well, I do live in a toilet, but usually the microphone is good, at least. Okay, he actually so. was in a toilet. He just didn't yeah. want to say. Okay. Talking into a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Excuses. So do you have any yeah. comments about the P- Pinocchio... I liked um, Pinocchio as a kid. I, so, I, be cool. I, the the last Pinocchio movie that affected me in any way was the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one, and it was mostly because I was laughing my ass off. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I I I just have no interest in Pinocchio. I I really don't like. I mean, the cartoon or the Disney animation is fine. Del Toro's insanely talented. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't imagine he's going to approach a project and half-ass it. But I mean, like. He did make Pacific Rim, so I don't fucking know. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. It could go either way. I uh, I I feel like at the good. very least it'll have some cool 
puppetry or creature effects or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. is he going to do the donkey yeah, the TF scene? Because that could be fucked up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't Not know what he's going to do there. As a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, Same story again. It's just, he'll make it look good. So You never know. Kids will like it. Uh, whatever. I just can't get excited for this trend of remaking no. all these classic stories. Like Disney Same. keeps doing it. Like everyone's getting hyped yeah. for this. What this Lion King remake? And it's like, are what? people actually hyped that for movie, it? Everybody? Because I'm not. Oh yeah. yeah you see yeah, like the tweets <laughs> going out about it. No, and I think like... I think Disney just puts out like fake tweets and shit. I don't think anyone's actually excited. <laughs> they bought their Twitter. It's the Russian yeah, get Disney to see John bots. Oliver in the new Lion Lion King. As movie. has already been thoroughly proven, it is incredibly easy for a company to get something to the front page on on reddit so mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. you never really know what people are actually excited for right it's all rigged yeah. they understand the internet is is hugely influential in how mm-hmm. well a movie does so they put out fake shit like this all the yeah. time but they make money though these films they make tons yeah of it money. works it works yeah i imagine there are some genuine people excited for it yeah. yeah. Like they're not they're Absolutely. not all Russian bots, like, you know. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. There there are there are people excited <laughs> for the new Lion King. But yeah, yeah no, I, I you you're right. You're right. There's definitely campaigns of, of fakeness. I I follow some of it. I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. Something that fascinates me is the companies that put out that fake buzz and then the people that fall for it and and it's so obvious. Like the accounts are like the person's name hyphen and then a billion numbers and you're like, "How is anyone not seeing <laughs> how obvious this is like it's it's clearly a plant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they do that all the time uh the state we're in it's kind of sad got him <laughs> can you just make a trailer adam i want to i want to thank you for something really yes. quick off topic I, I listened to one of the episodes. Uh, you had a cold a few weeks back. Yes. And you mentioned you were drinking Gatorade because electrolytes are good for your cold. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I, I got a cold really bad like a month ago and it went away. But then just last week I started getting another one and I was like, fuck, no, no, I can't have this again. So I went out and I thought, Adam drank some Gatorade. I'm going to go get some Gatorade. So I got this <laughs> big ass thing of lemon lime Gatorade and I drank it all and it went away. Nice. So, no. so thank you, Adam. No problem. This episode is sponsored by Gatorade. <laughs> thank you, Adam. It, it works. <laughs> yes. It works extra well if you wash it down with some Jenkum, our second sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I would say just you know hydration is important. Zinc is good for your immune system. Garlic is really good for your immune system, and vitamin C. Just all those things. Have you ever drank? Um... Uh, apple cider vinegar? Uh, no. It's horrid. Um, it's the worst tasting thing ever. Um, but it will like completely destroy the mucus that's in your in your throat. Oh, weird. And it's oh, really? if I have a cold and I know I have to film a video and my voice is like you know shot to shit, I will chug. You you can't take more than a, a few gulps of it. You have to put it <laughs> in water and dilute it. It's oh, that man. bad. Like you will cry, and, and and like snot will come out of your nose. It's that disgusting. But it will, it it'll like let you film. Like it'll let okay. you record. So if you ever have to do that, just that's like my last resort, and it works. Handy tip. Yeah, that's awesome. See what Chris Stuckman does for you guys. Yeah, I mean, no, you don't appreciate it. 
you, yeah, you've got to listen. Grateful bastards. I, 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 I know my shit. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. We went from Pinocchio to, to apple, apple cider, cider vinegar. vinegar. <laughs> this is fine. I think we, I think we, we don't need to talk more about Pinocchio. We kind of need to move along here. Um, Good. So there was a film recommended last episode uh, by me. And it's from my favorite director, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Uh, so if you haven't seen The Piano Teacher, original French title La Pianiste, directed by Michael Haneke, or as English people call him, Michael Haneke, um, then go check it out, because it's a fantastic movie, and you should see it. So uh, what did uh, what did everybody think of uh, the movie? Let's uh, start with you, Chris. Um, I find this movie frustrating but not in a bad way like i've seen films that i think i appreciate very much that frustrate me but it's the type of frustration that makes me want to look into the production Mm -hmm. uh read read like endless interviews from the filmmaker and i particularly love his movies Mm -hmm. he's one of my favorite filmmakers as well um cash or cachet whatever it is cash right that's one that's one of my favorite films. That was the first film of his that I ever saw mm. and it floored me. It absolutely floored me. Uh I thought it was genius and I've watched it multiple times since and every time I do I pick up on something. And so I knew going in this was not going to be like, you know, a movie that I would eat popcorn while watching. It wasn't going to be an easy grab. No, this I Yeah, that's right. I was prepared going in for that. Um but this is one of his that I had not seen. And the more I think about it, the more I really do appreciate it. Um, there's a few things I thought could have been better, but I'll, we'll, you know, I'll let other sure. people talk. What about you boys? Well, it was interesting you said um, it's not a, a popcorn movie because um, I happen to be eating ice cream <laughs> um, during that no, during the, the scene where it's pretty normal for the first 20, 30 minutes. You know, it's just about sort of repressed, uptight piano teacher just doing a thing and then suddenly there's that scene in the like porno shop and that's when i was munching on my ice cream and she she puts her hand down and grabs that tissue and, and starts sniffing it and i nearly vomited oh really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff was coming like it it's it really goes there it's very french and explicit oh, yeah. in that way but um overall mm-hmm. i thought it was it was brilliant like i absolutely loved it yeah yeah it was pretty pretty great michael hannigy's made a lot of great movies and I, I don't know if this is like one of his best ones for me anyway but like he whenever you watch one of his movies you get the sense that he doesn't make something unless he really has something to say and he really every movie feels like a like a perfectly made masterpiece mm-hmm. you know so i don't you guys talk i don't know you guys kind of said everything i wanted to say it's fucking great what i liked about it um and kind of what i started to pick up towards the end was it seemed like he was exploring the boundary between femininity and masculinity and particularly Mm -hmm. through uh, Erica, the lead, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. she has both. Like she, she seems like at times she wants to be in the dominant position in this relationship that develops and then other times she wants to be submissive and it's almost like she can't make up her mind Mm -hmm. and the film kind of denies you 
the reactions that you expect from people. Like there's scenes that cut uh, right at like an integral moment. And it kind of follows that rule of um, come into a scene late and leave early. When she comes home really late that one night and her mom slaps her, mm-hmm. she's like, your father died this afternoon. And it just cuts. You have no idea what her reaction is. You you, you never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. And is it's almost like it's aggressively against all mainstream ways of telling a story in that it wants the audience to to be almost like the voyeurs and forces you to you know make up your own interpretation of mm-hmm. everything which is what he does in, in all of his films yeah he forces you to think i also think that you know in in terms of its presentation this director like part of the reason why i love him so much is he's able to show a lot with a little and you know, even mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. that's not necessarily mentioned again, you know, every everything we sort of see affecting this character shows up in how she reacts and how she falls apart and all of these incredible subtleties in in her performance. Why am I blanking on her name? She's an amazing actress. What is her name? Isabel. Isabel Huppert. Isabel. Huppert. Yeah. Huppert, yeah. Yeah, she's this is yeah, she's she's insanely good in the movie. This is one of the best performances of the decade, at least, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's insane. Yeah. She's fantastic. Fearless, really. I mean, fearless actress. There's she does shit in this movie that like most actors they'd read the script and not even not yeah. even try. But I mean, like the, there's like a three or four minute unbroken rape scene with like without a without a mm-hmm. cut, and just the fact that that both of those actors really are able to go to that place. And I, I actually, do you think that, that um, there's two different ways that I, I, I looked at that scene, you know, it felt very violating for her, mm-hmm. but partially, partially for him yeah, as well, which is, is definitely the more unpopular way to look at the scene. Obviously most people will, will view that scene and view it as a rape scene. Mm-hmm. And that, and that technically is what's happening, but he's also there attempting to do everything that was on her list Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah in a way for sure So i'm curious like are are they both sort of victims in that scene it it could be interpreted in that way but um i feel like at that point in the film i mean like he he definitely raped her but at the same time it's like okay it's 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 unclear i i think the intent is that she's not being gratified in any way from this that it is not like right. what the, she was expecting was, from her quest she, for love she clarifies to him that um she waited for him right and he was her first right or something along those lines so to me it seemed like one of those kind of fantastical fetishes that you might imagine as being like yeah that's what i like but then in reality um it might be a different story oh, yeah. so that's what that scene kind of was it to me. could be but there's a few lines in that scene that confuse me if that was the intent because on first viewing it absolutely seems very one-sided but there's a part where he hits her and she says not on my face or my hands mm-hmm. and it's sort of like she's almost inviting him to do it just not on her face or her hands and so it's absolutely a, hor- a horrific scene and i would definitely classify it obviously as um 
an attack. Mm-hmm. It's just that I, I'm very curious as to... Because this is the thing about his films is that he, he kind of leaves it open-ended, you know? And even, like, when he sees her at the, the music hall uh, in, the, in the final scene, he just says, like, looking forward to hearing you play. And he's smiling, like, expecting her to just accept whatever just occurred. Mm-hmm. And he even, you know, throws her mom into a room expecting no repercussions of any kind. Yeah. And so it, I, I was trying to figure... It's a very complex moment, and it's probably the most frustrating scene in the film for me because... Not even the ending. I fucking love the ending, actually. Um, It was just that moment where I was like, okay, I couldn't quite tell. Like, are they performing a scene together? Like, when she says, please stop, is is she, is that part of her fantasy? Or is this just a horrific thing that I'm watching? I don't know if you're supposed to know, is the thing. Yeah. I think all of us are going to have different answers. Well, here's a question. Do you think she's ever done this before? No. No. Uh, No. Exactly, no. that's what I think. I always took it as her mother kept her on a leash her whole life and made her a piano teacher. And she's like like the rest of the students mm-hmm. in the movie. They all have a mother who fucking forces them to play piano all the time. And that's basically what she is, except she's like a 40-year-old woman. And she always had these repressed like sexual urges because she's never really gotten a chance to leave her home and explore the world. And that's why I think it's so fucked up, mm-hmm. like her sexual fantasy. That's right. how I took it. I've actually uh, taken the opportunity to go through all of the uh, featurettes on Criterion, and I looked through a bunch of interviews and, you know, really explored what the interpretations were from the director and from uh, the lead actress. And what seems to be the case is that these... Um, so the the young girl that she winds up mutilating her hand is essentially a character mm-hmm. that uh, Hanukkah wrote in that wasn't in the original book. This is the only film of his that uh, was based off of a novel. And apparently the novel, you know, really explored the uh, entire relationship and upbringing and childhood of this character. But he decided, you know, we don't have all the time to do that in a film. It, it would be too difficult or too convoluted to try and express so instead, he just wrote in another character to sort of act as this this metaphorical representation of her. So you're you're supposed to kind of imagine that this young girl whose whose mother is constantly pressuring her into being the best and doing all the you know going to mm. all these recitals and you know when she doesn't get accepted, she confronts the teacher sort of thing. We're supposed to imagine that at one point, Erica, that's her the main character's name, right, Erica. We're, yeah, right, we're supposed yeah. to imagine that Erica mm-hmm. was once in that position when she was younger. And one of the one of the telling lines, I guess, in that sense is when the girl's mother is talking to her after her hand gets fucked up and she's saying, we sacrificed everything. And Erica says, no, she sacrificed everything. And she's in a way trying mm-hmm. to, yeah. Yeah, that's true. you know, like empathize with this young girl and one of the more interesting kind of interpretations that i heard was on a commentary in one of the scenes from uh, isabelle huper and she was saying that despite the glass breaking and you know putting it in her coat pocket despite that being somewhat out of a fit of rage she had just seen the young girl playfully interacting with 
the person she loves and she you know this this fit of rage manifested in her head because she's so emotionally weak and these things just come out despite that in a way supposedly she was also trying to save her from her own life and that by ruining her career mm. she wouldn't yeah. grow up to be this second rate pianist whose only claim to fame was through playing at some bourgeoisie kind of uh piano recitals you know because like the as as the film expresses the young girl wasn't exactly the this cream of the crop pianist that would grow up to do great things you know the main character knew that yeah and so in a way she was kind of you know saving her Mm -hmm. from this path that she is she is on herself at the age of 40 and so it's kind of an interesting way to to look at that scene Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you could also see it as just you know she was pissed that the guy was yeah that too focusing like there's there's several layers to it the main character there's there's so many different ways to look at everything yeah exactly that's what makes his movies fucking great (laughs) is that there's layers to everything by just seeing the the facial expression of the character or even the shot behind the character as she's you know looking around and she finds the glass like every every moment of the film you can see kind of like a the the gears turning in her head and it's unclear exactly what she's thinking but there's so much to get from that and there's so many ways that you can can view it and that's why i love it so much yeah you find your own meaning out of it i didn't expect that in that scene when she broke the glass i thought she was going to cut herself again mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she was going to, like, find a bathroom and, and, you know, cut herself again. I did not expect her to do that. But you really just kind of sold me on that moment. Because it was very confusing to me at first. But that's a great, great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I I have to give credit to uh, Isabel Mm -hmm. for that one. Because, yeah, that was was something that I kind of came to realize after just watching through all the featurettes on the Criterion Blu-ray. Even the music choices, I thought were particularly perfect really mm-hmm. because they would go from like all all the all the pieces they would go from these kind of subtle beginnings and then have these really loud bombastic parts and then these very restrained parts and these very loud part and it kind of reflected Erica and her character because there there was really no through line really and sometimes that's a bad thing but this is the purpose of this character is she's supposed to be erratic you know she's supposed to go from Mm -hmm. wanting Mm -hmm. to be loved and then repulsed by love and in the scenes that she was repulsed it was uh, the sexual scenes where she was repulsed it was usually when some sort of like conventional romantic passion was involved like she threw she threw up when when they were in in the you know the back locker Mm -hmm. room even though it was kind of her even though she kind of initiated that 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 bit mm-hmm. it was it was almost like um she was trying to be someone she wasn't yeah. for him for a moment and then she just yeah. couldn't do it it was just too much for that her. was a uh that scene was a seven minute long sequence shot by the way it's difficult to pick yeah. up on but it's like it's literally yeah. all in one take long for that. takes and it's just, like that yeah it was, it was there's so well, it's so subtle. much technical work going on in the film that like you don't even notice like there's so many cool tricks that he's mm-hmm. doing like you you see the characters the entire time but at some point she's got to like drink the fake vomit and the and and, and yeah. like even in the scene where she's like cutting herself in the bathtub apparently there was like a stage hand that you can't even see like 
giving her a, a blood tube and then like sneaking it away, but you can't see shit. Like I even knowing that and watching the scene again, no, I'm like I still don't even understand how he did that because there were no there was no like digital effect work there. It was literally just all mm. this magic trick that this this crazy perfectionist director is is showing us, and I I love that. I love his style because it's so like it's not show off. It's matter of fact. It's just very yeah. precise and perfect. Yeah, matter of fact. I like the use mm-hmm. of you said the use of music is great. I love that the movie doesn't actually oh, have yeah. a score. He at all, he never which does is that. He does a lot also. That's one of his restrictions. No, because he thinks it's yeah, like manipulative. Yeah, I read an interview with him uh-huh. where he said um, that he feels that musical scores essentially are only used to cover up flaws in a film. Yeah, I've got the, the um, quote right here if you're interested. <laughs> I wrote that down. You're, yeah, yeah there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree, but... In an interview with The Guardian, he says, the choice of music was one of the most enjoyable parts of making the film, but I have too much respect for music to simply throw it in my films, which is why music rarely comes up in them. Usually music is used to hide a film's problems. Here music becomes a part of the film itself. And... Speaking personally, if I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to put music in it. And also, you know, yeah. like yeah. on top of, of that, I Me write too. music. So, you know, I would love I would that that's an aspect of the film that I would love. But I do agree with him for sure that music is essentially just used as a Band-Aid in so many situations. Not to say that no films should have mm-hmm. music in them, but far too often mm-hmm. do we see a a film score being used to try and imply an emotion that is m- perhaps not even really being expressed by the film itself, where it's it just feels right. manipulative. Yeah, you don't even know what you're supposed to be feeling yeah. sometimes, and so the movie so needs much like a manipulative yeah, usage of music, and fucking... especially yeah, exactly big budget Hollywood films. But films everywhere do that, and I agree with him completely. Mm-hmm. And I just feel I feel like that's an incredibly respectful and, and intelligent restriction to set for one's own work and i love that he does that i think it's really cool i just wanted to mention his use of wide shots too because i something i love that he does is he will just hold the camera Mm -hmm. on a large group of people and just show you them and you get if you want to see this character's reaction you can look at Mm -hmm. him and then you can look over the mother i love that about him he doesn't like he doesn't feel the need to just show a close-up on her close-up on her close-up on this and this and like you you you're smart you can just show a frame and fucking figure out what you want to see and what you want to get out of it. I love that about him. And part of that is there's no such thing as a goofy extra in one of his films. Like every single person that's in frame, mm. no, they feel like say, a real person. Are like excellent. He very clearly spends time with each of these uh-huh. actors and makes sure that they have something to do and that they're doing it properly and that they look natural and realistic. You know, like that that shot in in Amour, where uh-huh. it's literally you they're see the like... entire packed theater. Zoom in on any one of those people; they're all doing a good performance. <laughs> There's no such thing as a goofy looking extra in one of his films. He's such a perfectionist. Yeah, the extras in most movies are just like you, you got two people and they stand in the background. Yeah, they're holding champagne. <laughs> And that's it. That's the like people were like walking Pretending around. To sweep Kids the road. were like walking around, and then they walk to a group and they talk to the group and walk away. Yeah, but like everyone in this was you, like you said, Adam. It feels like a real fucking person just walking around and yeah. doing their their own business. I think the film works because it's anchored around this character study 
of this just fucked up. It's just so messed up, like the whole story of it, and that's what makes it fascinating. Like I said at the beginning, she starts off as this, you know, almost, I don't want to say by the books because it's not that by the book, but we've seen characters like that before, the uptight, you know, kind of woman like that, the teacher role, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. But as it, as it continues, um, as you learn more about her and it gets more and more fucked up, it just becomes more and more interesting. And it's not just the performance is the way everything every single element of it is so deliberate so well thought out um the editing the camera work everything around it feeds into this central character and and the and the way she feels and how conflicted she is and how one thing i really loved about her performance um were not just the the moments of weakness where she breaks down like in that horrible scene where she just snaps and like makes out with her mother on the bed i thought that was one of the most (laughs) disturbing scenes Mm -hmm. in the whole film but the moments of quiet where Mm -hmm. just subtle little things in her body language that i want to say are are relatively rare um in this kind of depth of of performance because like it's you just you just notice little things like she's just shoving in these little quirks and details that it's just she just took it to another level like she truly did yeah. just become this character and it just it makes it so unique and it, mm-hmm. without her i feel like that well, she just anchors the whole yep. film and it makes it so special and, and hanukkah actually agrees yeah. because he he literally said he would not make this film without isabelle hubert so yeah he must have known yeah he he considers her like the best european actor actress yeah they clearly trust each other they have a great work relationship this was supposed to be his first movie. He wanted to to direct oh, yeah? this. It was yeah. supposed to be his first like feature film. He uh, wasn't able to secure funding or something. Like it, it fell apart, and then somebody else took the project and was like, "Hey, can you write the script?" And by that point, uh, Hanukkah had already, you know, proven himself on in the uh, international kind of indie can kind of stage and um so he wrote the script for them and then something else fell through like the funding i guess and then uh eventually it's like oh why don't you direct it so he's like oh well okay but i'm not gonna do it unless i get this uh this actress so and uh the rest is history and they did mm-hmm. oh yeah let's point out the rest of the acting's great too i think mm. her mother was great the um what's the name of the, I forget guy? the guy's name yeah everybody's fucking fantastic uh, what's the, the male lead? He reminded uh, me of Draco yeah. Malfoy from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> he did for me too. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was great though. Um, I really did think everybody was incredible in the the first scene where he plays piano at the recital and she's hearing it for the first time. It it is the closest, maybe, in retrospect, that we get to seeing some genuine emotion from her. Like her, her. I remember her, her eyebrow mm-hmm. just kind of twitched and, ra- and mm-hmm. raised ever so slightly, I mean, and then, yeah. and she would get like the, the her eyes got glassy, you know. And I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, I mean, her performance throughout the film. I read some reviews, you know. I, I sometimes look up reviews after I see the movie, and this one critic called her performance one note, and what? I was. What? I was blown away by by how any Dummy. professional could look Dummy. at this movie and not respect this 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 work. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just there are there's a few things about it that frustrated me, but 
overall, I mean, it's like I would clearly recommend that anybody interested in filmmaking watch this or if you especially acting because you can learn oh, so yeah. much just from just from the restraint, you know, that, that's being displayed, not just from the actors, but from the director, because there's sequences that he just lets stay as, as you already said, he lets stay in, in one unbroken take for so long. There's a few times where I felt like it could have been they could have cut away or, or done things a little faster, but that's just you know minor little editing things like when she when she's going down uh, into the coat room to look for something that she can break, and she kind of sits like on I don't know what she's sitting on, but she sits in frame for like a good thirty seconds and just kind of looks around. I love it. I was like, okay, get. I was like, get moving. No, I was like, get moving. Find something. Oh, you know, man. like what? What are we being told here? You know, like sometimes <laughs> I, I like that, but I feel like every minute in a movie is is time that you're dedicating out of your life to watch it. And and if you're not telling the audience something in that moment, it's a wasted moment. And so like I love that scene, but it's just a little bit too long. Like, just little moments like that that just go too long. But that's that's really it. I understand. Besides that, that I love the movie. But I would di- I would disagree that it's not telling us anything, you know? Like we we get to see the cogs turning in her head. We get to see, you know, her posture. Like there's so even even just the the shot from you you don't even see her face, but there's so much there's so much presence there, you know. You can see mm-hmm. everything in the performance that that she's going through. Like she has such a thorough understanding of this character, and e- even when you can't see her face, it's it's like it, the performance is still outstanding somehow. I'm I'm grasping at straws here, you know. Like I'm looking for things to be to nitpick <laughs> about because I I don't want to just say like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I love everything right. about right. it. Like there there's little things that bug me while I watched it, but like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of little things that bug me. Oh too. yeah, uh, some of the ADR didn't yep. look good. Did you guys notice yeah. that? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I had yeah. that note. Down. I was like, I what was the fuck? Ask you guys. It's weird seeing like a Michael Haneke movie and something like that happens. You know, because I expect like perfection from him. I um I I looked up why that was. He actually talks about it on the uh, special features for the Criterion Blu-ray, because the the movie was shot in Austria. Oh, okay. And um he he is so. Mm-hmm insistent on which actors are going to play which roles and so the uh, just a couple of the characters for a couple of the shots were actually reading their lines in another language because they didn't speak french like because they're austrian german actors (laughs) and i just i find that Uh a a really goofy uh kind of reasoning for that i'm like it's one of those things where it's just i'm like yeah really but at the same time, it's like, yeah. okay, I, you're, you're a picky man. I get it. And he expressed, even in the featurette, he's like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't always perfect, and I wasn't happy with it, but I needed this actor to play this character sort of thing. So hmm. the reason why some of it looks weird is because it's literally not it's, it's very even odd. the same <laughs> dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, the lip movements don't. Yeah, yeah. language. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looked yeah. dumb. It looked There's... like a, like a Godzilla movie or something. There's a couple of those talking shots and the, where, you're like, where what that the fuck? And it is a very odd choice, yeah. but I'm assuming he's learned from it in some way. I've never seen anything like that in any of his films after that point. So, but either way, I mean, I mean, no. Oh yeah, it's Not, definitely crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like, like his version's broken. Especially it's like I can watch someone I can of his watch caliber. Like, you know, yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly, which was you know insanely dubbed mm-hmm. uh, but i but i still i still love it like 
Yeah, but yeah, like, they also had no still, sound equipment back then the movie, to, to so, film like, in the fucking desert. Also, so like, I if you don't speak it. French, you're just yeah. you're you're reading subtitles, and sometimes I didn't notice that that the dubbing was a problem because I was reading, you know. But like, then I would look up and be like, their mouths aren't. Yeah, so it was just mm-hmm. that is a very odd choice, oh, especially yeah. for someone who's such a perfectionist. It's so strange, <laughs> but that uh, should seem weird. You know, about if he was gonna make whatever. that choice, I guess that's the best it could get, go. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that's the worst thing about the movie. We're like I said, like, like we're grass, grasping yeah. at yeah. straws. <laughs> like the rest of it's excellent. And it's really insignificant towards the overall <laughs> yeah. film. I love the depth in this mm-hmm. character. I love how she explores the character. And and even in that you, you were saying that, you know, the first time we see this emotion from her is when she's listening to the male lead at the doing his uh, audition for her class. And the way she describes the scene is, you know, something that I feel is very interesting. She's saying that, you know, she's she's falling in love with him, but at the same time, she's she's annoyed that she's falling in love. She's yeah. curious. She, she's apprehensive about his intentions. And basically, and a, a kind of thorough way to understand her character or or give more context to her character and the decisions she makes throughout the film is that she's someone that has longed for true love her entire life to such an extent and been so repressed, especially by her mother, that she places this kind of unattainable idea in her head of of what true love is and you know she has all of her weird uh masochistic uh fetishes and and all of these crazy things about her that are just an extension of of her own repression but at the same time what she's apprehensive about in this character and the reason why she tries to shove him away at first and doesn't trust him is because her assumption about him is that he's someone who's only interested in seduction but she doesn't consider that to be true love and so that's that's part of why she initially decides to mm-hmm. change the rules and tries to be more dominant because she doesn't want him to seduce her he doesn't want him to be able to be seductive and be this you know like oh yeah i'm only in it to to just seduce you like she wants the true love aspect out of him and that winds up manifesting in her giving him this note and just being like this is everything about me there's no secrets this is everything about who i am and that what she's really trying to get out of that is is true love which is bizarre to think about in a way that this is how this is manifested in this character but that seems to be you know from the best that i can gather the the intentions of what the character is supposed to be she's weirdly childlike oh yeah in a way She's so fragile. Yeah, that, that's kind of what makes it so disturbing. Yeah, she's so yeah. disturbed. Well, because she's very, like, a logical, you know, straight and narrow kind of person. But, like, in terms of relationships and sexual stuff, you get a sense that she never really, you know, did it all that mm-hmm. much in her life. So, on that level, she is very childlike. That's what made that last scene so, like, scary. It was, mm-hmm. She was helpless. Like, she didn't even know what she signed up for. She was writing all this shit down, and yeah. she really didn't even no, understand, I all. think, the implications of it, you know? Yeah, it reminded me of, like, a kid excited yeah. to show a friend all of their toys. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like 
Exactly. Like she goes, yeah. she's like, here's my box of stuff. I have everything. <laughs> yeah. It's all here. You don't need to do anything. Here, hey, what's your, what, what, what kind of clothes do you want me to wear? I'll wear whatever you mm-hmm. want. And, I was, and you're right. Very, very childlike. One of my favorite lines yeah. in the film that I feel describes a lot about this character is when she says, I have no feelings. Get that into your head. And if I ever, and if I mm-hmm. ever do, they won't win out over my intelligence. Like that says everything you need to know. Yes. About this character so in just that one exactly. line is is like she yeah. mm-hmm. she puts up this entire persona her entire life as many people do, you know we we see this mm-hmm. quite often play out in real life people that are so repressed and insecure especially about their own sexualities that it winds up consuming them and and expressing itself in you know harmful ways or becoming so extreme like uh, we see that. You know, yeah. every once in a while there'll be a news story about like Mr. Family Values Christian was fucking lady boys at a truck stop. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like you can just imagine that this type of person exists in real life. And especially in the way that it's presented, Definitely. like there's so many people where it's like you would never yeah. imagine the kind of things that that they're into or the kind of struggles that they're dealing with at home. You know, we only get a glimpse yeah. mm-hmm. of of everyone's life at any given moment. And, you know, relating that back to Synecdoche, New York, I guess, we only see a window into people's lives and we don't really see the whole thing. And so you don't really know what any any person is is experiencing or how they were brought up or what, mm-hmm. what their, their upbringing was mm-hmm. and what has transformed them into this person or who they really are at any given moment. And I love that this film really explores that. I love that it doesn't glamorize it. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's not like exploitative or anything. It, it doesn't. How's that about that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very genuine, yeah. but still disturbing and still in some ways graphic, but yeah, very, very tasteful and a very tasteful, honest tasteful. and accurate portrayal of, of sexuality, even if it's something totally bizarre and totally unconventional and, you know, in many ways mm-hmm. harmful. It is the antithesis to 50 shades of gray. Oh yeah. Yes. That's a good way to put it. I <laughs> yes. guess like, you know, <laughs> you look at 50 shades of gray and how popular that was with people and, you know, the books sold all these copies. There's a trilogy of shit movies. And it's like you just want to tell the people who like <laughs> it, you're like, hey, watch The Piano Teacher. That's what it's really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. N- none of this, like, glamorized <laughs> MTV pop song bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. that's – it's it's presented as it's, – it's not like the film is um, vindicating her, nor is it necessarily yeah. – condoning her and and it's not saying it's it's you know awful it's it's basically just observing Mm -hmm. it's just observing these moments and asking us Mm -hmm. to say or or feel yeah what we feel about it like we can we can condemn her we can feel sympathy for her and and there is and that's you know something i love about his movies is is that he just basically a lot of his films are very voyeuristic, especially uh, Cash or Cachet or whatever, mm-hmm. especially that film, which is very much so about voyeurism. And mm-hmm. he just wants you to look at, at something and have a reaction to it. And he seems very uh, pleased when he uh, experiences the reactions. It's really impossible to just brush her off as like, oh, she's a pervert or oh, she's a bad person because there's mm-hmm. so much right. depth to her character. And especially, you know, the glimpses that we get of her 
life at home and her relationship with her mother and every single snippet that we get where she's doing something that's not in her professional life and you learn so much more about this person and you learn about how fragile and wounded they are Mm -hmm. well as far as the mother was concerned she was still a kid like when that my i love the scene where her and the boyfriend <laughs> yeah. go into the apartment and they go to her room and the mother's like, what is he doing here? It's the middle of the night. It's like a bunch of fucking teenagers. Like teenagers do that. When She's an adult has a relationship, they like go in and they have dinner with the mother or whatever. She's in her 40s and they're still doing yeah. this like yeah, juvenile she still, she nonsense. She literally sleeps oh, with her mom. Oh, open the door. Like... You know, like, I wanted, <laughs> what are you guys doing in there? She's a fucking 40-year-old woman. What are you, what are you asking yeah, her for? Uh, it's not your business. Very probably one of the best character studies I've ever seen, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you guys interpret the ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she ran away from her life. She realized mm-hmm. how fucked up it yeah, made sure. her, and she's like, I'm out of here. That's how I took it. Well, I'm confused in um about the act of publicly cutting. This is the first time she's ever done that in a place where she could be mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she chose to do it clearly in advance, or she might have had a different plan. You know, like she's waiting in the shadows. She's got the purse. We saw her put the knife in there way before she ever left. Mm-hmm. So she's got a plan. And then she sees him and then she starts walking to him and she's walking with conviction almost like she's going to do something. Like I was pretty sure she was going to slit his throat or something. And and then someone comes up to her and sort of breaks her out of that and speaks to her a little bit and allows him to enter the music hall. And then she's like, fuck it. And she does it to herself and leaves. So I'm curious, like, like we've already said, we basically just see the, see the wheels turning in her head. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily know exactly what she's planning. We just kind of get little inklings of what she might be planning. And I, I feel like she went there to kill him and then decided, I hate him so much, I'm cutting myself. And like you guys said, walked away from her life. But it's just very fascinating to me that a film that honestly did frustrate me while watching it like just as i've continued to think about it i was like i really do appreciate it and i I started to to like it a lot more there are films like this where where they do frustrate me but it's a good frustration Mm -hmm. like yeah uh, i watched your review of halloween adam and and i felt similar about it it was a very 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 frustrating movie that i did not like and that was a different type of frustration that was like a movie where I saw all the things they should have done, but they didn't do it, and it pissed me off. This movie frustrated me, but it was like it was supposed to. You know, like it, it it's supposed to get under your skin. It's supposed to show you things that you don't like looking mm-hmm. at. And I don't know. I really love that about the movie. Yeah, that's a very uh, Hanukkah kind of staple. Is he wants oh, yeah. he wants art to Funny be games. challenging yeah. in some way. He wants mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. people experience something that makes them think about it or gives them a real experience which is funny because he seems so light-hearted in interviews oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah like he just seems so like a friendly know. man nice old man yeah 
And then you, you watch his movies and you're like, dude, you're fucked up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's always got like, a point. That's what ma- makes like some... the fucked up stuff worth it. Yeah. Like I feel like a Lars von Trier or something mm-hmm. like that. He just does shit to disturb the yeah. audience or whatever. <laughs> I, yeah. I completely yeah. But like agree. He, he's agree. always it's all. I mean, this movie is almost like a cautionary tale. Like don't chase this life of, of you know don't live with your mother or whatever or you're gonna be this miserable person. He does it for a reason. It's not just miserable, you know. Or at least sleep in a different fucking bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for God's sakes, <laughs> sleep in a different bed. Yeah. The um, I I feel like the ending, like it's it's something that um, I I guess we can never really fully understand what her initial intentions were. Um, from the mm-hmm. way that uh, Isabelle Huppert describes it, she she's essentially saying as though you know she at least had the intentions of confronting him uh, once she saw him. And at that moment, and again, this is from the perspective of the actor. This isn't my original interpretation. At that moment, she sees him with, you know, these like two bimbos and the way he's so, you know, cold and dismissive and cocky kind of reaffirms her initial concerns, her initial uh, assumptions about him, like, yes, this is just some some asshole who was only interested in seducing me and, you know, not interested in real love. And at that moment, he kind of, you know, just with a glance, basically just breaks up with her. And it's unclear what, what her intentions were grabbing the knife at the beginning. But in that moment, you know, and she has this really powerful grimace on her face I love that she reacts mm-hmm. to it before she stabs the knife in. Like, that's it's so yeah. beautiful and so well done. And mm-hmm. obviously, they filmed awesome. a lot of takes for that. She actually stabbed a blood bag. She was wearing a chainmail shirt underneath. <laughs> so that wasn't oh, like, that wasn't okay. CG or anything. That was like, okay. she's just stabbed herself in a, a blood bag, which is really cool. Um, and in, in wow. that sense, it was, I guess, supposed to be interpreted as a suicide attempt and even through that she manages to fail and in that moment after stabbing herself she is you know she walks out and she's left in a much worse place than where she started in the film which i just find it's a, that's a miserable really way interesting. to look at it <laughs> well yeah, i love movies that that, uh, that do that I love movies that don't have yeah, Adam, you, a happy you, ending. You like those depressing. You like depressing shit, Adam. You do. I know you yeah. do, man. <laughs> the last movie. What was the last we watched? Mommy. That movie was fucking depressing, man. Yeah. Like you, you love that shit. You eat it up. What's, the, what's that <laughs> miserable Real movie things. you want us to watch? You said it was like the yeah. saddest movie ever. Dear Zachary. Dear Zachary. Yeah, yeah you keep talking. Yeah. You gotta see Dear Zachary. You gotta see Dear Zachary. I might recommend it at some point. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, I don't want to be fucking depressed though. <laughs> it's funny. My wife, I was talking to my wife and she was like, what movie are you watching? And I was like, uh, it's The Piano Teacher. And she was like, uh, you want me to watch it with you? And I was like, trust me, don't. Like, I knew for a fact, <laughs> like, that just because at, I knew because you recommended it, I was like, this is gonna make her make her depressed today. And I was like, just don't do it. Just just go, go read, go read upstairs. <laughs> Adam, can you recommend like a Will Ferrell movie one day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking and screaming or semi-pro or something like yeah. that. Step Brothers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Step Brothers. <laughs> Boo. Fucking Zoolander. Morons. Oh, Zoolander. That's uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah, but Will Ferrell. Yeah, he is in it. 
Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the yeah. bad guy, right, or something? He's um, yeah. Mugatu. Yeah, that was <laughs> nice. one of his better Will characters. Will Ferrell, really funny. Will Ferrell's in the Lego movie. <laughs> I... Spoilers. He is. That's yeah. true. He's, he's good in Lego movie. Yeah. He's I good in some things. I fucking love the first Zoolander. I do not care. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah, I love, um, I love that movie. This, uh, this is something that I, I guess we haven't mentioned yet, but um, they were actually playing the piano in this film. Like the 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 yeah, male yeah, lead had never played piano before. He like he had no lessons of any kind, and he actually learned those parts. Oh. And outside of filming, so like on top of the the hours he was already filming during the sh- the shoot, he was practicing an additional four hours a day. And they just moved the actual play the the scenes where he was playing to like the end of the shoot, so he could practice enough to get to that point. Whereas Isabel, mm-hmm. uh, she practiced piano for a good amount of time when she was a kid didn't touch it for a while and then started back up again just for this this film and there's very subtle kind of things you can notice like okay she's not a real piano teacher because of the way she holds her pinky sort of thing but as for the notation and you know just just the presence of seeing the entire actor's body as they're playing the piece instead of just like oh cut to a hand double sort of thing like that's just so mm-hmm. cool, and you rarely see movies do that. I love, I love how real it feels. Yeah. Yeah, they did the same thing like in Ray, where they would Jamie Fox, you know, he would play piano. He played piano really well, and they would pan from his hands to his face. And I always hate in, in movies where you can tell that it's clearly a hand double. And I love that about the film is that, and you know, like I don't know about the pinky thing. Like that didn't distract me like i don't know anything like yeah. that i just thought she yeah. was doing amazing most people wouldn't notice i know you'd yeah. have to be basically that character to understand <laughs> or like you know someone in that field yeah it's yeah i'm not gonna go into the details but anybody who's like taken piano <laughs> you know piano lessons that's like one of the f- first things you learn but well you can totally tell like even if you don't if you aren't some musician you can tell that like Okay, they were actually playing the piano. That's not like some fucking. She's just tapping our hands around or whatever. <laughs> it looks real. It looks real. I really loved the environment of tension with all these students and like the competitive nature. And you know, like there's a scene that literally just opens up with a girl crying after she auditioned and like snot mm-hmm. running down her nose. It reminded me of uh, mm-hmm. Black Swan in a way, which obviously came much yeah. later. But yeah, I love mm-hmm. showcasing that kind of like competitive stressful environment I, I feel like it adds a lot to the film it adds a lot of tension yeah i mm-hmm. felt genuinely sorry for the uh the young girl who gets her hand mangled um felt really bad for her and and just like i don't know if it's because i've um i've never taken piano lessons but i when i was a kid i was uh involved in like a lot of like community stuff like that and it was always like a a lot of pressure. Like you have to do this, you have to do that. And you always have to deliver. And it's like your family's giving you pressure. Your friends are giving you pressure. Your teachers are giving you pressure. Mm-hmm. And I kind of related to her quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like she, she got sick before a performance. And then all she did was basically wink at that guy and she mangled her hand. Yeah. And like you said, <laughs> it, you know, it could be, in, it could be interpreted as a way of, uh, saving her yeah. from the potential of a bad life but um i don't know that's a bit of a stretch for me like i think she got mad and oh of course i i think there was thought about more than one problem. reason yeah. for it yeah yeah i felt bad for her. yeah of course 
And I, I guess uh, we'll we'll end this discussion pretty soon. Um, one other thing I would love to point out: we kind of we kind of touched this a bit, but I love how cold she was to a lot of people in the film. I love how when she's at the newsstand yeah. and she sees one of her pupils looking at the porno mags. And she just like she just fucking alpha intimidates him like oh hello, <laughs> and and then like the <laughs> next day at the recital he's clearly just so distracted he can't even pay attention and play the right notes because he's mm-hmm. it's so yeah. awkward and she's threatening to tell his mother about it like, and by this point we already know she has her own like skeletons in her closet you know like she yeah she does mm-hmm. the same thing but she's just totally projecting herself onto him and being a massive fucking hypocrite but this is a person that you know, is dealing with so much internal conflict and this is just how it manifests. And I just, I find that so honest and, and realistic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one thing about the film um, that like, like you said, he, he goes for realism. There's only, there's one scene in the movie that I thought was distracting because of his realism. Um, and it's 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 like the the most simple thing to change. But when she goes to that drive-in theater, there were posters for Frequency, The Patriot, and The Skulls, and I, and they were like really visible. Yeah. And I was just like, the Skulls, like it's the most cr- it's like this crappy <laughs> MTV generation yeah. horror movie. And it just it took me <laughs> out of the funny. movie instantly. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help but but notice. But I mean, you know, he they were probably there, and he just thought. We'll leave them up because they're there. Yeah. yeah, who knows? I don't know. I, I haven't watched any of those movies. Do you think he put those posters there? No, I don't because those were I, I think he movies did. that were out uh, when the film was shooting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I just always take him as a guy who, like, you know, I'm everything pretty sure is purposeful. I think all three of those movies were 2000 movies. Mm, okay. I, I remember one scene. I forgot exactly what it was, but, like, everyone had black clothing on. Like mm-hmm. there were like a hundred extras and they all had black clothing on, which made me go like, okay, so he clearly in- intended this, which makes me go, all right, so everything in this movie visually has some meaning mm-hmm. to it. I think if the I think if he wanted to put the posters there, then like the movie that was playing would have been one of those films, but it was like clearly a different film than like it mm-hmm. like it wasn't the Patriot with Mel Gibson, like it wasn't. The... <laughs> no, it and... was like some fucking black and white. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. It was. They were probably just there. Which is cool, yeah. but it just kind of took me mm-hmm. out of the movie. All right. So. All right, so uh, what do you guys think of this movie overall? What would you give it out of 10? I'll wait. <laughs> I, I, I could have asked for one of you directly. <laughs> hey, guys! I, love it when I didn't want to interrupt I love anybody. it when that happens. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck it, I'll go. Fuck it, I'll go. Like yeah. a piece of music, like the music in the film... Um, it's very layered, technical, um, thoughtful. Every element of it is masterful in the way it's structured. Um, I loved all the techniques they used, the acting. Only tiny little nitpicks, like the one thing that kind of bugged me was why that, that horrific sort of rape scene at the end, why the mother didn't call any authorities or something. To mm-hmm. me, that that was quite strange to me. Um that was kind of it, though. That was the only moment that pulled me out of it. Um, I do have to say, um, this film's a real pain in the ass to get in the UK. Um, I, I feel like I'm always saying this, but Sorry. the only version I could find was um, a standard definition, like, rental. Shit. Um, so I had to watch it in, like, this crappy, like, reduced thing on my 4K TV. Oh. 
I watched it on Amazon Prime. Do you um? Me too. Oh really? Do you not yeah, have that? I, I I had to buy it off Amazon. Um, okay. But it was maximum, you know, standard definition. Um, I'd have to get a US import to even watch the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, like nice. you can't even access like the streaming. My what's on the UK Amazon Prime is a different selection. Yeah, uh, okay, on, it's yeah, yeah. Just like Netflix, right. like yeah. if it's on yours, it's not necessarily. Yeah, mine. you're right. You're right. I'm stupid. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, an amazing character study. Um, as Adam said earlier, probably one of the best I've ever seen. Um, you don't see performances like this very often. This nuance, this this many layers to it. Um, I'd give it a four and a half or five. Nice stars. I think it's brilliant. Um, it's not my favorite movie of his, but it is a very difficult film. Uh, as I've, as I said already, frustrating, but not in a way that that bothered me. It was um, intriguing, actually, how difficult I found the movie, and it made me want to look into the production. It made me want to read about it. It made me want to look up interviews and and like you did, Adam, watch you know documentaries and featurettes and and stuff. I think that. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple of my nitpicks. I agree. Um, she should have called somebody. Like if I was the mother, I would have been busting down the door, you know. And she kind of just gave mm-hmm. up and didn't even say anything for like five straight mm-hmm. minutes. And I'm like, your daughter's being raped. Like, why aren't you doing anything? Um, but besides that, um, just minor stuff. Like uh, I, I didn't 100% buy the incestual scene. I don't know if it's just because she's aroused by things that are considered taboo or because she is just that fucked in the head. But I feel like just saying that she's crazy is sort of an easy way out. So that was one of the more frustrating scenes. But performances, uh, direction, like you said, Ralph, lack of musical score, really impressive. And the pieces that he chose uh, just elevated everything. Uh, considerably, I give it an A. Mm, nice. Everything you guys said, great movie. I want to see it again till I like rate it a five out of five. And I don't think it's as good as his other mm-hmm. stuff that you've seen. Uh, some of it, but it's still great. So, yeah, that I've seen, like White Ribbon and fucking Cachet, or like mm-hmm. God level. <laughs> and this is like really, really, really good. So like uh, four out of five or eight out of ten. Nine out of ten, I'll say. Yep, I uh, I love the film. Obviously, I've said everything I want to say about it. I will kind of, I guess, respond with my own interpretation of, of uh, I guess, the issues that you guys just mentioned. Like we, we don't, we, we didn't really see if they had any kind of conversation after the assault of, you know, perhaps the main character telling her mother not to contact the authorities, or perhaps the mother knowing, you know, that she had this recital in the morning the next day that could have played into her uh her motivations there but i i guess you know that was kind of unclear mm-hmm. um and as for you know the yeah, the scene where she assaults her mother on the bed that was literally like fresh after she got rejected by her love interest and that fell through and i guess the intention there is you know kind of supposed to be like she's she's just driven to this desperation and becomes this kind of animal you know when when she's so desperate for love that she just you know tries to get it out of whatever's right next to her you know and she's so incredibly emotionally frustrated and you know all that so i you know i I don't think it was just like she was crazy there's there's layers to it and 
for sure a normal person wouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, this is a very yeah. complicated, mm-hmm. very troubled character. And it was, you know, that was a scene that was in the novel as well. Hanukkah is like, yeah, I didn't write that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously he had his, had added his own flair to it. Uh, I love this movie. Definitely one of my favorite character studies ever. Uh, one of my favorite Hanukkah films. Uh, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. I love it very much. And uh, I guess it's time for questions. And since, Ralph, you have to leave soon, you can decide when, when which one the last question is. Okay, right. cool. Thank you. Alex got picked up. I have plenty of questions that were submitted over Yay. on the Sardonicast Reddit. Ralph normally leaves a nice thread at the top where you can leave your own questions that we might answer if they're any good. Our first one for this episode comes from Bouncy Ball Studios, who says, How long do you think you can go without watching a movie slash TV show or playing a video game? Wow. How long could you do it? Uh, Maybe like a week. Shit. I mean, I watch at least a movie. I, I watch a movie a day. God. Depends what I'm being offered. <laughs> See, if it's like a competition or some yeah. shit, I don't know. But then it's like, yeah. at what point do I just say, like, this isn't worth it? I have no idea. I honestly do watch a movie a day, and, and I feel like, um, like, I don't know if you guys have, like, going to bed routines, but one of my routines is that I just, like, I put on a movie or something, and then I start getting tired. I'm like, all right, I'll turn it off, and I go mm. to bed. Like, it's just, that's, it's part of my routine. Like, I, I, I really have no idea <laughs> how, I mean. Really? Yeah, I, I usually watch one movie a day like you at night. I don't mm-hmm. fall asleep during it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, I watch it and then yeah, I go to bed same, after. Same. Yeah. But I'm thinking like times in my life where I've either yeah. gone on vacation. vacation it's like, easy not to. You know, I've done something where I'm not, I'm like not involved with movies or like video games at all. A week maybe. Yeah. And I think I could go yeah. a week. Yeah, I, was yeah. say a I think week. we could yeah. all go at least. We a week. all say a week or so. There'd be a point where we're like, all right, I want to <laughs> yeah. fucking see yeah. something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's, that's all of culture right there. Video games, movies, and mm-hmm. TV. Like without that. Like, what do you have to culture yourself with? Books? I could, I could oh go the rest of my <laughs> life, but only if I got horrifically blinded in some freak accident. Then I could go the rest of my life without watching anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just listen to music. Yeah. I just listen to audio plays then, or music. Yeah. All right. Next question. Jello Jake. Jello Jake asks, "What's a movie you guys have watched so ridiculously much you can quote to a T?" Um, theirs would be Kung Pao. Mm. Oh wow, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a fucking random Kung one. Yeah, one. I've never seen that shit in the theater. Oh man, Kung Pao would be one of them for me. Yeah. The Lion King would be one of them for me. There was a point in time where uh, I could mem- I memorized like Rat Race. That's like a bit of a guilty pleasure now. It has one of the most obnoxious <laughs> opening credits. <Rat> the <laughs> opening <laughs> credits are like they make me vomit now. But that was my favorite fucking thing mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I still think the movie's pretty mm-hmm. funny. It's a good guilty pleasure movie for um, me. Okay. When when Rush Hour 2 came out on VHS uh, when I was a teenager, <laughs> I fucking bought that thing and I watched it like three times a day. I can quote that entire movie. Like uh, Jackie Chan in the plane, he's like, uh, Asian people are very calm. We never lose our cool. Yeah, right. Well, Godzilla coming, y'all be tripping. You'll be like, Gaiaka, Gaiaka. Yeah, I love that movie when I was younger. I have, 
Wow, Chris, very I have good. I've watched that movie That's so great. many times. I mean, I fucking love Chris Tucker though in those <laughs> movies. He's so hilarious. Oh, in the in the in the first one, um, well, y'all got like some chicken wings or something. Like, what's this greasy shit, man? Some greasy shit. <laughs> and then the guy's like, uh, "I know punk bitch. I know punk bitch." He's like, "I know punk bitch either, man. I know punk bitch." <laughs> yeah, I gotta watch those again. I can quote that I movie. haven't seen those in a long time. We need we need to reenact yeah, yeah, all of our show. Now I need to review them. I need to review them now. Fuck. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas. Those are the two most quotable, probably. That fucking scene where he's like, what am I, clown? (laughs) Best scene in cinema history. Alex? What, the Oogie loves? Mine would be the... uh... The the... the Bionicle movie. (laughs) When I was a kid, when that came out, I was completely obsessed with it. For some oh reason, to the point where I got big A3 sheets of paper, <laughs> and on my VHS I would play a line and then write down the line, <laughs> and then keep keep going all the way through until I had the whole script perfect written down on paper. For some reason, <laughs> I, I still don't know why I did that, but as a result, I just remember a lot of that movie's dialogue for some reason. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so terrible as well. <laughs> yeah, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> Do we have time for another? Uh, anyway. Um, sneak another. This one should be yeah. a short one. Uh, Tate, Tate D. Gibbs says, which editing software do you think is best for movie reviews? Movie reviews? What do we use? Uh, Premiere. Yeah, I, you I use, use Premiere as well. Final Cut Pro is not bad. The seventh one, X is a little dumb. Uh, don't use iMovie. Don't use Windows Movie Maker. Don't use Vegas. That's it. This reminds me, like, um, that you just said that, Ralph, and it, it was something I always wanted to tell you. Totally side point, really quick. Have you ever considered making your logo be an animation of your face in front of Windows Movie Maker? <laughs> yeah, because, I've considered because it. Because Ralph, the Movie Maker? <laughs> Who hasn't considered it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was random. Um, no, no, no. It wasn't random at all. People have suggested that. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, okay, cool. Ralph, the Windows Movie Maker, Windows the Movie Maker, <laughs> whatever the fuck. That's yeah, fucking. That's it. fucking great. Um, I started like the first program I ever used when I was fourteen years old, uh, sixteen years ago. My God, what the fuck? Um, was iMovie, and that's how I started. Like the first program I learned. I progressed on to mm-hmm. Final Cut Pro. Um, I've done Adobe. I have to do Adobe now. Uh, it's part of my schooling, mm-hmm. and so I'm learning it. Uh, I'm learning it, but I, cool. I I think whatever is most simple for you, man. Like whatever you feel like you could be quick and, and but deliver a quality product. Whatever you feel most comfortable using, use it. Mm-hmm. And that's Premiere and Final Cut. But like iMovie and Windows Movie Maker, those they're limited. Are so slow. Yeah, they suck. And just and they suck. They're limited. You only get like you could put one clip down or one audio file. You have to get the more sophisticated yeah. programs if mm-hmm. you want to make anything good. Cro- crossfading audio is a complete bitch on mm-hmm. iMovie. Like you can barely even do it. Yeah. Like I mean, it's not even like a lack of talent or knowledge. It's just what the program is capable yeah. of. It's just too slow, and in the 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 workspace makes no sense. You fucking like the timeline is like. <laughs> It's like paragraphs or like like it's written like a like a document where like the clip bizarre, would go yeah. and then stop and it would continue on the next line. It's like what the fuck is that? <laughs> Who would edit a movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes no sense. Um I use FCPX, I'm used to it. 
for what I'm doing, it, it's it's yeah, probably okay. the most streamlined for me, like with all the hotkeys and you know just the the type the yeah. type of stuff I'm doing on YouTube. I might not use it if I were making like a professional film. Yeah, Adobe is fine. I don't consider it as streamlined for what I'm doing. Uh, I I don't have any real issues with Vegas, other than sometimes it just has weird compatibility issues with certain files. But um, that's it's acceptable. Yeah, that's what kills uh, me for what you're doing. Vegas, yeah. And um, yeah. I don't know. There's other other ones out there that I'm forgetting the names of, but I haven't really used those, so I'm not gonna recommend them. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Final Cut yeah. Pro X is a good that's one. That's what I for that's what I use for YouTube. Videos on. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's a very good one. I used it all the time. It's good. It's good for what I'm doing. No, it's very good for what it is. Mm-hmm. But like the reason Final Cut went out of business is because like they tried to sell that to professionals. <laughs> the professionals. This are like, is what just iMovie Pro. <laughs> and I'm glad it found its market. The pros use Avid, which is have you guys used Avid? That yeah, shit that's is the one I was hard. Of. I haven't <laughs> it's used hard that. as fuck to learn. It's really a pain in the ass. I don't know how. It's like staring at War and Peace, the novel, and yeah, it's like where that's you exactly start. Like, what it's what like. The fuck? <laughs> like it's just it's this gigantic it's this gigantic amount mm-hmm. of options. And the, it's just overwhelming. You shouldn't use Avid at all if you consider making internet content. Because the thing about Avid is, it it's good for cutting and editing, but that's it. Like, if you try to do text or any kind of design elements or fading, it just it comes out bad because it's not made for that. Mm-hmm. It's made for, like, 80-year-old editors who have been doing it for, like, you know, 50 years. And they just... And they have multi Exactly. They have, like, every shot like laid out on a board. standing desk. Uh-huh, standing desk. <laughs> yeah. Fucking treadmill desk mm-hmm. or whatever. Whatever gimmick mm-hmm. they want. Yeah. Well, the space dentist asks... Does bad CGI affect your overall opinion and score of a film, even if it has a yes. limited budget? What about in a film <laughs> that even has a reasonable budget for good CGI? Bad CGI is always bad and distracting. Always. It it depends. Um, for me, it, if it's a new film, yes. If it's an old film, no. Like, if I'm watching an old film, I, I don't look at it and, and expect it to hold up to today's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, sometimes I actually find early cg kind of charming like it's like oh look at that like, it's, like Tron. It's, yeah you know like oh they tried mm-hmm. you know but then like now yeah like if i go to see fucking venom and i can't i can't now say venom without wanting to do that by the way um my favorite part of the whole movie was that fucking song anyway uh it's yeah, when I see when I see like two black gooey things like jumping on top of each other in the nighttime when there's a rocket ship launching, like yeah, I look at that and I'm like, what am, what the hell am I seeing? And it absolutely affects my my score. But if it's like an older movie, I'm like, I'm more forgiving because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, we've we've progressed since then. I, I just have an issue that I, with anything that looks fake. Like, if it looks fake and if it's bad CGI, then just don't show it or build a mm-hmm. prop that looks like it. Or As far as you said, Chris, these new movies have no excuse. The the, no. the big budget, like Justice League, that movie has no excuse. The $300 million budget, <laughs> yeah. and it looks fucking terrible. Yeah, but, like, you look at Jurassic Park in 1994, looks fucking great. Was it 1994? Mm-hmm. I believe three, so. 93. Yeah. Three, yeah. 93, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, like, look what they did with CGI. And it's amazing because Spielberg knows how to make a good movie and he knows how to incorporate it well. Yeah, know? and he he would always use the CG sparingly. And it would be, yeah. 
it would be like from the perspective of humans, like uh, mm-hmm. the the T Rex bursting out of the woods and eating the Gallimimus. That yeah. whole CG scene is, is like from the in the foreground. You have Sam Neill and the two kids, and it's just like. Mm-hmm. You're always seeing it with real life things added. It's not like, you know. Yeah, it's really well done. It's not Jurassic and it's, World. You know, he uses every trick in the book. He uses shadows, he uses smoke, he uses rain to like cover it. Yeah. Like, you just need to know what you're doing. Yeah, like I watched. And if it looks bad, if it looks fake, it's distracting and it takes me out of the movie. It's always bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's the biggest part about it, though, is, is that as a director, you should understand the limitations of your budget and the limitations of technology before you've even gotten to making the movie mm-hmm. really like when you're deciding how yeah. to approach a certain scene you know even even something as simple as like the first paranormal activity movie they fully understood that if they're going to make convincing effects they're going to do it during the nighttime scenes and with a grainy camera sort of thing right and and for yeah. the budget that they had, right. they could, you know, convincingly key out or, you know, edit out the, you know, person pulling the rope and it, it'll look real. The camera's stationary. Like, you can have an understanding of something before you go into it. And again, Jurassic Park is a great example of that because CG was very limited for its time. So they just, most of those shots were sparingly and at night. Yeah, if you have bad CG in a movie, perhaps either you should have presented it differently or perhaps you should have written it differently one of the uh one of the most frustrating examples was in that uh cronenberg movie from 2015 or something uh maps to the stars and at the end of the movie there's this terrible terrible cg fire and all i'm thinking is like you're a director that's made Mm -hmm. films in the 80s just light a guy on fire he's right next to a pool just use real fire you didn't even see him like burn to a crisp (laughs) or anything it's like you could have just just do a real fire it would have cost less money probably just get a stunt double you know when when you can clearly i don't know about less money but it would have cost it's cost like nothing stunt double okay to put it in perspective to put in perspective i am facebook friends (laughs) with a cleveland stuntman who lights himself on fire okay and that's in fucking Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. okay? Like, I could call him up, give him a few hundred bucks, and have a guy on fire. Like, yeah. it's, like that's, that's <laughs> how easy it is. And, and, you know, Cronenberg, as you said, he's Cronenberg. Yeah. So, like, why? Yeah, you're totally right. That, and I remember that scene, too. Because yeah. it's lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's always lazy, I think. And these limitations are what makes movies better. Like, oh, I can't just show a CG gorilla or whatever the fuck. So let me <laughs> use shadows and rain to, like, make it creative. And then you got, like, the studio mentality, which is they think just that. Like, oh, we just need shots of a gorilla with Dwayne Johnson. And then you get Rampage, Woo! which is the most uninspired fucking shitty-looking yeah, movie that, I've ever that, seen. That is, and, and like, the I'm... definition of a product movie. It comes down to, like, <laughs> I think about the Scorpion King <laughs> Do you remember that shit? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Where it's like the CG rock. One of the worst CG I mean, ever. Or like um, classic. Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. Uh, or, mm. Oh, that's a famous one. Or in oh the God. first Harry Potter movie, there's this like really dreadful troll or something. <laughs> I feel like it's yeah. just a lack of foresight in terms of the technical ability. Like... That Scorpion King thing, well, actually, now that's a bad example. That probably looked fucking terrible at the time, even. Say the troll from Harry Potter. 
At the time, that might have been the best CG available. Like, everyone must have thought, wow, that looks amazing. But if that's the whole point of the scene, if there's nothing else going on beyond just the visual effect, or take a look at, like, the Star Wars prequels, how bad they look now, just on a pure Mm -hmm. technical level. Um, I think it is just kind of like a a laziness, cockiness almost to to Mm -hmm. this this technology, like putting the technology before um, everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's always distracting and always bad. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a reason I seek out the original cuts of the of the Star Wars trilogy, Mm -hmm. the original. Because I just can't look at the special edition, man. I can't. Well, I have the Harmies <laughs> despecialized thing. Have you heard about I've that? I've heard of it, yeah. Uh huh. Yes, yeah. I got. Yeah, those. he did a great job. Um, but like, I can't look at the special editions, like in Return of the Jedi or the fucking Sarlacc pit with like the duck head coming out. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, so cool. it is it's just so fucking bad, man. <laughs> they would just throw. Remember when like these CGI bisons would just walk in front of the frame, yes, just cover yes. the... It's like, why did they add that at all? That adds nothing to the movie. It's like what, what Alex like... said. It was like a cockiness. Like, look what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then it's even weird for something like a recent film like Black Panther, where in that last act there's that dreadful, um, yeah, in terms of visual like effects quality fight scene. Yeah. I mean, I, with yeah. all the money, all the prowess that Marvel has, that's the most creative like expensive thing you could do i mean that's you're right. aged yeah. dreadfully in like you're a, right i remember it aged dreadfully a week it's later it aged as i watched it um <laughs> like in my review for that i was like it, it the scene where where uh t'challa and uh michael b jordan i forget his name they're falling and they're they're falling down and i was like this looks like spider-man 3 yeah. like peter parker and, and venom <laughs> venom falling through the sky like spraying webs at each other for like this long unbroken cgi toby Maguire face mm-hmm. like it was just so distracting mm-hmm. yeah it's like how do you expect me to care when you it looks that bad when i'm that detached from reality i feel like i'm watching a video game one of the worst yeah. finales in an otherwise good movie that i've seen is that black panther's like the whole movie felt fairly different from the pack in regards yeah. to the other Marvel. And then all of a sudden they're in a CGI train world. And I'm like, come <laughs> on, like what's happening right now? Yeah. It was dumb. <laughs> all right. I guess, uh, I guess that's it. Want to do one more? If you want, I just, uh, I want to make sure that after you, uh, you're done recording, you have enough time oh, to send me the file. Yeah, we should actually, we should wrap it up. We should wrap okay. it up. Okay. okay. Who wants to introduce the movie recommendation? Oh, it's my turn. That's right. It's you, Raph. Uh, Let me pull up the info real quick. So my movie, it's kind of a horror movie. <gasps> I'd say it's more on like the, the psychological horror. Like, I, I don't know if I'd even call it a horror movie. It's a, a movie called Don't Look Now from 1973. Interesting. Great choice, man. Yes. So. Great choice, cool. man. It's a little hor- horrific. Cool. It's, <laughs> so, it's, yeah, no, it it's is. It's interesting. Yeah, especially, especially the sex scene. Uh-huh. Don't say anything. <laughs> it's a little misleading. <laughs> I okay. won't say anything. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. It's on my watch list okay. already. Cool. Hope you guys enjoy it. Cool. Good. Don't look now. Enjoy it. I won't look now. Am I going to be able to find it? <laughs> you should. Uh, I it's hope so. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty famous. I hope you are able to find it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to this episode of Sardonicast. Uh, if you want to join in for the film discussion next episode make sure to watch the film beforehand because we're going to spoil it uh if you want to support the show or get the episodes early 
Uh, $2 a month, sardonicast.com. Sign up for the premium. You'll get it. Uh, you'll get the episodes when they're edited before they're released publicly. Also, sard- uh, patreon.com slash sardonicast will do the same thing. Uh, thank you very much, uh, our guest, uh, Chris Stuckman. We got Stuckmanized real good. We got, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm happy to hear adequately it. Adequately really Stuckmanized. No, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I genuinely. No bullshit. Do love talking to you guys. You guys are really fun. We Thanks, love you Chris. too. We like talking to you Thank too. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.